I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As the coronavirus impact is being felt worldwide, it's affecting the sports world too. The NBA announced they are suspending the season effective today after Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz tested positive for the virus. The NHL is continuing to consult with medical experts and evaluating options, and they'll have further a further announcement today. And the NCAA will play their basketball tournaments by limiting attendance to family and essential personnel, but could more be coming? This is a fluid situation. We'll discuss the impact of the coronavirus on sports with Joey Knight of the Tampa Bay Times and get an update on USS football program under Jeff Scott. Also, my report on how the Bucks are going to go all in on Tom Brady. What is the pecking order of free agent quarterbacks if they fail to land the GOAT? And what does it mean for Jameis Winston? We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, you've heard of Tampa Bay Downs, but if you haven't experienced it, what's holding you back? Tampa Bay Downs has been a Tampa entertainment landmark since 1926. We know there's thoroughbred horse racing four days a week, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Gates open at 11 a.m. post time at 1225 But in addition to thoroughbred horse racing, they also feature No Limits action in the Silks Poker Room, and you can work on your golf swing at the Downs Golf Practice Facility. There's truly something for everyone at Tampa Bay Downs. All right, Mike Henry joins us now from Tampa Bay Downs. And, Mike, I want to go back to last week, of course, an exciting Tampa Bay Derby and a long-shot winner uh, at that. Well, it was pretty incredible. Uh, King Guillermo who is a three-year-old Colt owned by the retired or recently retired Major League ball player Victor Martinez, was 49-1 to entering the starting gate. And as the field was heading up the backstretch and he was in second place, everybody was waiting for the favorites like Sole Volante and Chancet to make their moves. But King Guillermo had other ideas. Sammy Camacho rode him perfectly and he Raced to a four and three quarter length victory and paid one hundred and forty a hundred dollars and forty cents to win. And Sole Volante did come out on for second, which was a nice race on his behalf. But all of a sudden, we've got a new Kentucky Derby candidate, and he is owned by Victor Martinez. Incredible! Well, Victor Martinez, of course, uh, former Red Sox, right? He played with the Indians, Tigers, and Red Sox. And uh, after the race, uh, he was contacted by a couple of his former Tiger teammates, Miguel Cabrera and <laughs> Annabelle Sanchez. He had told these guys that he was going to win the Tampa Bay Derby with this horse, uh, but I don't think he was believed. You know, he only owns three horses, and the wow. other two have not won a race. So this is really a Cinderella story, and it's uh, really encouraging for people who want to get into the game who've never, never really had the... Uh, wherewithal let's say or the uh, gumption to do it absolutely and and you know the the interesting thing uh out there is is what this horse's future now is of course and you know it's it's sort of a prelude right to to making uh it a kentucky derby uh contender 
Yes, uh, Victor and the other connections, including the trainer Juan Carlos Avila, have a big decision to make. Uh, a lot of horsemen would expect this horse to have one more race before the Kentucky Derby. But since the Lamholm South Tampa Bay Derby qualified him for the Kentucky Derby, he got 50 points on the road to the Kentucky Derby, which will definitely get him into the starting gate. They're thinking about maybe running him without another prep race. And that's causing a lot of discussion within the industry and the sport because generally uh, horses will follow these step-by-step progressions. Uh, the mile and a sixteenth of the Tampa Bay Derby is the longest this horse has been, and a lot of experts uh, think that he needs one more race. In fact, uh, Steve Haskin, who I respect a great deal, who produces the Derby Dozen every week, the top 12 candidates for the Kentucky Derby, he kept Sole Volante in second place, and yet he did not move uh, King Guillermo into his top 12. He actually had him as the first also mentioned, so to speak. And he basically said, if this horse can win the Kentucky Derby without having an additional start uh, before then, it will be totally unprecedented in the history of racing. So let's see if those guys can pull it off if that's the way they decide to go. Uh, just incredible, Victor Martinez. And then, you know, this is a great time of year. Of course, the weather's beautiful. You want to get out to Tampa Bay Downs. A lot of ball players go out there as well, right, Mike? I mean, those guys love uh, love watching the horses. Well, Rick, you and I are both old school. I'm older school than you are. But I was amazed a couple of years ago when I ran into Richie Allen out at the track. Uh, Dick Allen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's always loved horse racing. As a matter of fact, his brother Hank was a trainer for a number of years and on another occasion i ran into uh two former new york yankees outfielders roy white and mickey rivers and the list goes on and on so uh yes they they do love it it's a tremendous release for them and they're also stoked by watching these uh four-legged equine athletes compete because they know all about competition they sure do well it's gonna be another It's going to be another great weekend, Mike. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Great to talk to you, Rick. You can call Tampa Bay Downs at 813-855-4401 and check out their website at tampabaydowns.com for more information in 2020 promotions and make plans to live it up at the Downs. All right, Joey Knight joins us now. And as we're doing this uh, podcast, Joey, it is uh, about almost 10 p.m., um, this would be on Wednesday night. Uh, you'll probably be getting this podcast if you're listening to it either Thursday morning or sometime Thursday afternoon. So a lot of things are happening. This is very fluid. Um, but you worked on a story that has uh, local and national implications, obviously, with this coronavirus, its effect on sports in general. In particular, the NCAA tournament, of course, March Madness as we know it, and uh, Tampa Bay uh, supposed to host uh, the you know a couple rounds of that tournament here in a week or so. Um, that now uh, is going to uh, the NCAA has decided to limit family attendance to essential personnel for their college basketball tournaments. And as we were beginning to do this podcast, the NBA has suspended the season. So tell us, first of all, where are we at? Where are we at with the NCAA tournament in Tampa? And, and, and does the news of the NBA, you think that will uh, that will change things with respect to this tournament? Well, it's important to note, Rick, that it is 9.47 p.m. Wednesday. So as of this moment, yes, uh, the NCAA earlier Wednesday 
mm-hmm. uh, issued a kind of a mandate of sorts that uh, only essential personnel and um, limited family attendance will be allowed at the NCAA tournament, March Madness this year. And of course, uh, an opening round site for the tournament is Amelie Arena in Tampa. So it has local implications, uh, local economic implications. But uh, again, and we were talking about this off, you know, mm-hmm. before we started this podcast, you know, we, we learned that the NBA has suspended its season. And it, it would not shock me, considering how fluid this story is, it, mm-hmm. if this tournament doesn't go off at all, because you mentioned it, okay, one NBA player has tested positive for coronavirus. That's out there. That has been confirmed. And the NBA, as a precaution, has suspended its season for the time being. Uh, you know, what if, what if one player from, you know, San Diego State tests positive or a, uh, or a team manager from Duke or someone tests positive and it kind of forces the, the, that entire team and program to be quarantined? Do you, what do you do? You make it a 63-team tournament instead of 64? You know, exactly. there, there are just so many complications that could mm-hmm. happen. And, you know, in a situation like this, a global pandemic, a fluid mm-hmm. situation like this, which is why I think it's really important that we say, hey, right now, shortly yeah. before 10 p.m. Wednesday, mm-hmm. the current plan is for the NCAA tournament to go on without any fans in the stands. But I, I think over the next day or two, I would not be shocked, and I'm not trying to be alarmist, but I would not be shocked if they called off the tournament or postponed it and, you know, tried to do something, you know, just kind of in an alternate fashion, playing it in smaller arenas and, you know, in an isolated situation in a month or so. I don't know what they're going to do, but it wouldn't shock me if this tournament did not go off as scheduled uh, next Tuesday when the, when the first four starts. Right. And, you know, the reality is, is that um, so far we know of one NBA player. Is it Rudy, Rudy Gobert? Gobert. Gobert. Yeah. Rudy Gobert. Um, So he's the one that we know have tested positive. Look, statistics would tell us um, by the sheer size and scope of this pandemic in other countries. And, you know, the U.S. is lagging behind in terms of the number of tests they have done. Um, But just statistically, you can imagine in a tournament, a 64 team tournament uh, with that many participants, all it would take really is, is for one player, maybe two, it took one in the NBA, um, you know, to test positive and it would almost force a quarantine of the entire team. Right. So to your point, um, you know, take, take any of those teams out of the tournament. What, what is the competitive really balance at that point? So it, it, we're a little maybe early uh, as we do this at uh, now 9:52 on uh, on Wednesday night but um it looks like the world of sports and for that matter the world itself obviously we're we're in we're in rare territory here we don't know exactly how our life is going to change in ways that it's changing by the minute um but there is now uh, you know travel bans that have been put in place by the president of the United States um so this will have sweeping effects in our way of life and and uh, and certainly in the world of entertainment and in sports, no question. That's you know that's just why, you know, Twitter has has its pluses and minuses. But right now, it's kind of an essential tool just to keep us second by second updated and and what's yeah. going on not only across the sports landscape but across across the the economic and global landscape because this is a very fluid situation. 
you know, conference tournaments, conference basketball tournaments are going on right now. Some of them started earlier this week. Um, some tournaments, you know, had their opening rounds today and they, they held those events in front of, you know, in front of audiences. But, you know, during the course of the day, those same conferences have said, you know, we're going to continue on, but only, you know, with with limited people allowed in the arena, you know, essential team personnel, immediate family members, what have you. That, that's today. That's right now. Uh, though those events are expected to go on. But, you know, again, we've never seen anything like this, a, a global pandemic that is just, you know, kind of starting to have, for lack of a better term, a, a ripple effect. The, you know, who, who's to say whether these conference tournaments are going to be completed, you know, by, by Saturday or Sunday or whenever they're scheduled to be done. We just, you know, we just have to sit back and watch. And you, you pointed it out, Rick, we, we haven't had as many people tested, you know, for lack of a better term, per capita as perhaps some other places. But what it stands to reason that more and more people are going to be tested. And, you know, simple logic would tell you, you know, invariably a college student athlete, a you know, basketball player, you know, very well could 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 test positive. And then, you know, in the case of the NCAA tournament, what what do you do? You say, okay, we're just cutting it now from 64 to 63 teams and going forward. No, you can't do that. So I I just think that this is going to have a very serious ripple effect starting right now and going over the next the next several days. And you know, the NBA has suspended its season, and I would not be surprised if we just see sports in general suspended for the time being. Maybe not canceled. Let's mm-hmm. use the right terminology here. Maybe just suspended until this thing runs its course or we have a, a handle on it or, you know, we, we've developed something to, to keep it contained or the weather changes to really, you know, enable it to dissipate a little bit. But I think sports as we know it is going to be suspended for a little while. Well, guys, it's 9.53 p.m. as we're taping this, and the NHL is going to have a statement tonight. Okay, there that's, you go. That's what everyone's reporting. Don't know. Uh, assuming it's probably you have to follow you have the lead to of the NBA. They'll follow but... suit and cancel the season is what I would right. imagine. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So Simpl- fluid situation. You... Yeah, it's very fluid, and that's and that's why we're going into it. Look, sports uh, at this time seems you know obviously it seems trivial compared to humanity, right? Um, and and these are played by real people, um, and so. And fans go to this, so the protection is there for both the players, the participants, and the people who watch these things. Locally, though, Joey, and you've dealt with Rob Higgins, and and um, you know these events are not easy ones to uh, to be given first and foremost to be awarded. Um, it takes years, and and, and bids go out, and uh, there is an, an unbelievable amount of planning that that goes into both securing them and then actually. Um, executing them and putting them on. We have a WWE event that, as we speak again at uh, nearly at nearly ten ten p.m. on a Wednesday. We don't know uh, what what the status of that will be. There's there's no news there. Um, but from a just from an economic standpoint, throughout the world, obviously there there's major implications. You can't look at the stock market without knowing that. However, for Tampa Bay in particular, who doesn't get their share or a lot of these men's tournaments uh, in, in, in the NCAA March Madness, such a big event. This is really a, a, a kind of a, a, a terrible loss for them. I think uh, both economically and just, just from the standpoint of, you know, we, we, we don't get this opportunity very much. Oh, devastating. 
totally devastating for Rob Higgins and those folks at the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, who, like you said, have worked for years, uh, lobbied relentlessly, you know, just Mm -hmm. spent so many hours and man hours, you know, putting together these elaborate bid packages to bring something like WrestleMania to our area, you know, a, a showcase event in, you know, that particular genre, if you will, you know, the, the Super Bowl of professional wrestling to Tampa. So much has gone into that, so much planning. And now here we are, you know, about three and a half weeks out. And certainly, certainly that's in jeopardy. So, I mean, two showcase events for the city of Tampa and the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, the NCAA tournament and WrestleMania. And we don't know yet what what's going to happen to WrestleMania. If there's any little glimmer of hope for, for a wrestling fan, it is the fact that it is still three and a half weeks out. And, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, by the same token, this is a global event. Uh, travel from Europe has been suspended by, by the president who announced earlier this evening that he was suspending travel from Europe for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, WrestleMania is obviously a, an international spectacle. So, I think we can kind of read the tea leaves and see what's going to happen there, um, which again would just be would just be awful. We like to, like you mentioned, like to keep sports. Let's keep it in its proper perspective here. We're dealing with a, a a global illness, but you know, for for these people who have worked so hard to 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 bring this to our city and our region, it's just it's backbreaking. I can't imagine what they're going through, but. Like I said, we, we can read the tea leaves and kind of see, you know, what's going to happen with, with WrestleMania, which is scheduled for for April 5th. Yeah, it's crushing. And you cover USF, of course, among your many jobs with the Tampa Bay Times as, as the beat writer for uh, the Times covering the Bulls. And spring football just began. You know, there's so much optimism, obviously, with Jeff Scott. He had yeah. maybe uh, one of his early first and, and perhaps last practices. I mean, again, um, you know, if, if, if you're closing the school and you're making, you're making people around the country, including USF, I believe, um, you know, take classes uh, if, if they resume by video or what have you to, to uh, discourage or to prohibit the gathering, a lot, a large gathering of people have to assume that there'll be an interruption in spring football too. No, no question. Uh, you know, as of tonight, they are expected to practice Thursday morning. Uh, I mm-hmm. got that word from their, from their sports information folks. They were scheduled to hold their second practice Thursday morning, no media accessibility, um, no mm-hmm. post-practice availability. And then mm-hmm. they were scheduled to take spring break off anyway. Uh, so nothing was planned for next week anyway. But, yeah, you look around the country tonight, I believe it's Michigan and Ohio State have already canceled their spring games. And USF is scheduled for April 18th. I, I really can't, you know, and I really can't imagine that going off. You know, Jeff Scott, bless his heart, you know, his first practice was Tuesday, um, you know, presumably they're going to they're going to practice Thursday morning and then you know who who knows you know that's uh, that's beyond his pay grade what's going to happen after that that's that's not going to be his call but you know he uh this I guess this is just a um an, an opportunity for him facing you know he he likely was going to face some adversity with USF in year 1 with, <laughs> with with what he inherited and now he's getting it you know probably earlier than he expected but 
Uh, I, I do. I do envision that the um, what is happening at USF will impact the sports schedule, not just for spring football, but across the board with with baseball and softball. Those are in full swing right now. As you mentioned, USF has um, issued a statement earlier today saying when spring after spring break, when classes resume, they will go just to to an online only um, class schedule for, uh, you know, for, for the time being. So presume it, and, and all events on campus are, um, are canceled as well for like 30 days that they did not say that specifically uh, relates to USF athletics. They said more details about how that affects athletics will be forthcoming, but presumably, you know, some spring sports and spring football are going to be affected, you know, you know considerably. Again, keeping us in perspective, this is a worldwide pandemic where, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, I mean, you know, who knows, tens of thousands of people could lose their lives uh, as a result of it. So sports not being um, as consequential. However, on a human level, if you're a an athlete that uh, is in his final year uh, or whose team, you know, may have just made the NCAA tournament uh, and it's not a common occurrence, I mean, there's a lot of hours that go into these guys' careers, right? And some of them, very few, will ever play professionally. This is a, this is an even tougher thing for them because, um, you know, they're not going to be able to realize probably something they dreamed about their entire lives. And, um, you know, so on a lot of levels, this is a this is a tough night. And again, we don't know how far the tentacles will reach um, because we're we're doing this podcast uh, just after ten p.m. on Wednesday, but it, it really is something. As for Jeff Scott, careful what you wish for. You never know what's going to come across your desk, and it, it, this has never happened before, so he's he's really um, sort of getting the baptism by fire. But you did have a chance um, to see uh, at least the initial practice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one thing in talking about Jeff Scott that I thought was interesting, Joey, um, and, and I take him at his word, he didn't look at any tape of the previous season, really? That's what he said, and that's something that I asked him at his pre-spring press conference. You know, um, I, I believe him. You know, he said he wanted to go in with just a with a kind of a clean slate, clean slate. on every mm-hmm. every player he inherited. He didn't want to have mm-hmm. any preconceived assessments right. of any of these guys based on what he saw on film from last year. So he didn't watch any games or even any practices from last year. He insisted that. And so I asked him, well, how do you make a depth chart? I mean, when you go out to that first spring practice and you say, okay, first team offense, go out there. You can't run all 85 guys out there. Somebody's got to go out. And he said, well, that's a great question. My assistants, they watch tape. They watch games and practices from last year. And I just left the, uh, the initial depth chart and who to run out there with the first team and the second team and so forth. I left that up to them. So he, uh, you know, they, they, you know, in the limited amount of practice time we got to watch on Tuesday, they let us watch about an hour. There's very little teamwork done, but you know, when, when they did line up an offensive line lined up, it did look like, you know, the, the three returning starting offensive linemen were, were out there and, the two guys you kind of project that would replace the uh, the, the two offensive linemen who graduated, they were out there. So you could tell, you know, this wasn't this wasn't a lottery they did just to throw guys out there. The, the assistants watched tape and assessed and, you know, reviewed practices and games from last year and gave Jeff Scott 
their evaluation, who they thought, you know, this is where we think our, our roster and our depth chart stacks up now. And they, they worked off that. And of course, Jeff said, Hey, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's gonna, it's gonna change quite a bit where, uh, you know, it could change from, from day to day, from, from team period to team period. This is, you talk about your fluid situations, the USF mm-hmm. depth chart is very, very fluid right now, but even more than that, and this is something else I take him for his, at his word for, you know, it wasn't so much about, you know, who's lining up with the ones and who's lining up with the twos on day one. He wanted to see how these guys approached practice. And he said, we, we still got some work to do there. Um, you know, he's emphasizing the little things as any coach worth his salt should, you know, and guys, you know, when, when he says do a 50 yard, yard wind sprint, that doesn't mean run 48 yards and then just trot across the finish line, go mm. all 50 yards. And, you know, they, he, he tabulates what they call loafs. You know, if, if you, mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, run through a play to the whistle, that that's a loaf. If you don't run all the way through a drill, that's a loaf. If you, you know, if you don't start out with the, to steal the old Shiano term, you know, toes on the line. If you don't have your toes behind the line, that's a loaf. They, uh, they, they watch that in film and they tabulate it and they keep score of it. And, you know, just so the, the little things don't turn into the big things. And that's really, I think, what, you know, in however many practices they're going to be allowed to have, I think that's really his main objective starting out here is just creating that culture teaching these guys how to approach practice, how to practice, what the expectation level is from him and his staff, you know, starting out. The, the other stuff, you know, that'll, that'll take care of itself over the course of the summer and, and August and things like that. But I really think he's all about just trying to, trying to set a tone early on. You know, I, I asked you this because I, I was trying to get some insight for a, a TV show on Spectrum Sports that I did um with respect to usf and then the question was how many games do you think they will win this season you you made a good point in that um you know like like a good young head coach he brought in some guys with some experience his coordinators from florida atlantic that i think will will probably help him a lot no question you know charlie weiss jr is a really young guy but you know just the talk about him is that, you know, he's kind of, you know, the, the next Sean McVay in waiting. Yeah. People think that highly of him and his his mind, his his work ethic, his just, you know, just how bright he is as an offensive mind. And, of course, that's the offensive side of the ball. And the defensive side, he brought in Glenn Spencer, who's coached seemingly everywhere. He's a, he's mm-hmm. a Georgia Tech guy at heart, but he, he's been everywhere. And the last he was seen was in that bowl game, you know, where uh, FAU just totally shut down a very good SMU team. And so Jeff was very, very good to get those two guys from FAU because they had a coaching chain change over there with Lane Kiffin leaving. He was able to swoop those guys up and bring them across the state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he surrounded himself with just not only those two guys, but just some some good young and some good mixture of young, bright, and some good veteran guys. So, uh, you know, I really do believe that, you know, six wins is plausible. I I told everybody at the outset, you know, how how is it going to be in, you know, the first year of the Jeff Scott era? 
And my initial thing was, well, it could get a little worse before it gets better. But then I was thinking, you know, it really can't get much worse than last year, uh, you know, which was just a dumpster fire from the outset from the Wisconsin game on. I think he is he has enough talent at the skill spots, just enough talent. And I think they've got enough on defense to where they can get to six wins and get into a bowl game. Uh, I think the offensive guys, Jeff and Weiss and the guys, you know, that he surrounded himself with are going to be able to do enough offensively to, you know, just be innovative enough to score. And with Spencer's defense, I, you know, they have, they have some concerns at linebacker. Don't get me wrong. There's some depth issues on the defensive edge, but I think, just the way Spencer's defense is, they've got the people on the roster now to where they can mix it up and disguise their weaknesses. So I think they will be okay there for, you know, for the short term for 2020. And I can see it being very much like it was Scott Frost's first season at UCF. Kind right. of an acclimation period, but he was a bright offensive mind. They got the six wins, they got into a bowl, and then they took off from there. And you know, it wouldn't shock me to see the Scott era go in a very similar fashion. And, of course, uh, like any program, you know, your quarterback is going to be the most important or the most visible guy on offense, and if not on your team. They got a transfer from North Carolina in Cade Fortan. Um, Jordan McLeod is back. Obviously, you said he logged some reps, too, with some walk-ons. What do we know about Cade? What do we know um, – what do we think he'll bring uh, to Scott's offense? From everything I've heard, um, I, I've talked to some people who were his teammates at North Carolina, a couple guys at the Shrine game in January who played with Kate. All across the board, lethal arm, just a cannon for an arm. Um, you know, I've heard more than one person say, best arm I've ever seen. I didn't see him enough to know what his mobility's like, what he could, you know, how he can handle the, you know, just the running side of what Jeff Scott will want to do. But from the arm side, I, I hear he's got all the tools and can make all the throws. Um, you know, if you're asking me here on March 11, 2020, who will be the starting quarterback, I, I would say, you know, Cade would, you know, the early money would be on him. But Jordan McLeod is a very bright kid and a very hard worker. And he will have a, you know, he gained some valuable, painful experience last year. But, I, you know, I think knowing Jordan, he will be ready to compete and he will not flinch at that um, at that challenge. So I, I think you're going to have a very solid quarterback derby. But, you know, Cade Fortan's arm is, you know, is just outstanding from everybody I've talked to. And Jeff Scott said, you know, yesterday, we, you know, we asked him, you know, your initial impressions. And he said, you know, the, the first thing that really caught my eye was our skill guys are pretty good. You can tell, you know that they were out here working on their own, uh, you know, in the wintertime. Um, they moved around well. He, he seemed really pleased. And he does have some good skill guys. You know, he brought in Darian Felix, a, a tailback from Oregon, who's a transfer. They've got a tailback named Josh Berry, who, last, who missed all of last year with a, um, with a knee injury. But the coaches, Charlie Strong's coaches, were extremely high on him. I mean, they more than one coach said this guy has NFL potential. Fans just haven't seen it yet because he was hurt last year. So they've got Josh Berry. They've got Randall St. Felix, um, you know, a receiver who struggled a little bit last year, probably struggled a little bit confidence-wise, but had an excellent 2018. And they've got some good-looking tight ends to, 
step in and fill that void that, that was left by Mitch Wilcox. So again, I, I think there's just going to be enough there skill wise. And, you know, you combine that with what Charlie Weiss and what Jeff Scott want to do offensively. I think they're going to be very innovative. I think they're going to be able to, um, you know, keep opponents off their toes that I think, uh, you know, a bowl eligibility is very plausible in 2020. There has to be excitement. I think that that's the one thing, the energy that Jeff Scott has brought, um, you know, young uh, but experienced coordinators. I mean, all those things, um, the, the, you know, hope always springs eternal, right, Joey? Sure, and, and, sure. And you, when, you, when you see a guy who's coming from a program like Clemson, uh, you've done a lot of stories about his background, um, you know, essentially preparing to be a coach since he was eight years old. Right, uh, right. It's an exciting time. And unfortunately, again, we began the, the, the podcast uh, with the news of the coronavirus, which is still very fluid as we as we tape this. And so it's it's unfortunate that um, his first season uh, will be likely interrupted uh, at, at some stage uh, with this. But um, there's there's no question that, uh, uh, you know, that they've made a good hire here. And, and, uh, and we'll see. We'll see what what he can do in, in, in good time. And, and I think Bulls fans should have something to, uh, to be excited about watching, watching it build in the fall. So we appreciate the time, man. You got a lot to write in these next few days, next few weeks, next few months, who knows? I think uh, we this, all do. <laughs> yeah. I think the, I think the global, uh, you know, the sports world is going to stop spinning for a while on its axis. And, um, uh, but we'll be here to talk sports well, anyway. Thanks, we, Joey. We just got an update from the NHL at 10, 13 PM. They're aware okay. of the NBA's decision tonight to indefinitely suspend its season due to a player testing positive for the coronavirus. The NHL is continuing to consult with medical experts and is evaluating the options. We expect to have a further update tomorrow. Aha. So NHL so is let's still sleep playing. on it. Let's yeah. sleep on it, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. I no, think you're right. It's it's interesting, but uh, we'll, we'll have more uh, throughout the week as we uh, as we follow this. Thanks again, Joey. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so I wrote a story in the uh, Tampa Bay Times. You can read it on tampabay.com. And the gist of it is something that most people would have figured out by now. Um, but I got into a little detail. Look, the Bucks priority as far as quarterbacks go, as far as their plan, you know, that they've sort of worked on here with respect to free agency, the draft, uh, Jameis Winston, all of that, is they're all in for Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady is the GOAT. Tom Brady is the big prize. Tom Brady is who Bruce Arians and the Glazer family would like to have as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And um, as I wrote in the story, I mean, you know, let's let's just consider where the Bucks are at this point. They're a franchise that hasn't reached the postseason in 12 years, okay, 12 seasons. And they have the opportunity at least now – you know, we'll get into whether it's realistic or not, but they have an opportunity um, to land a quarterback who's been in the playoffs for 11 straight seasons, just the opposite of what they are, uh, and has won six Super Bowls. So when we get to 
Monday uh, at noon when the free agent tampering period begins, we all know who Bruce Arians wants behind door number two. If Tom Brady doesn't re-sign with the Patriots by then and he gets to free agency and he's going to entertain, you know, offers or um, phone calls from other teams, the Bucks are going to be on the line rather quickly. They're going to be calling Don Yee, his are, agent. Are you saying that at 12 o'clock in two seconds they're going to have a deal announced? Perhaps. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I think with, it's the I joke of the legal think, tampering. Yeah, period. I know. I know the legal, the, as opposed to the legal tampering, yeah. which is happening now. But, but, I, but I do think that, uh, um, you know, I don't know how quickly Brady will decide. I, I think he has to – first of all, I think before we get to Monday – He's got to have the heart-to-heart with Bill Belichick, right? He's got to talk to Dad um, about moving out. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is one of those those deals where they've been together and they've won a lot of championships, and, and you know, it, it's so unlike, and I think people, you know, very often you hear the comparisons, well, Peyton Manning went to the Broncos or Brett Favre went to, was traded to the Jets and then went to his rival in Minnesota. Most Joe Montana went to Kansas City. But all those quarterbacks, they weren't wanted by their teams anymore, right? Those were guys that, you know, the 49ers had Steve Young, and he was coming off an MVP season because Joe had gotten hurt. Um, They wanted to go with Steve Young. So Joe, you know, requested and ended up getting traded to Kansas City. You know, Favre was was traded to the Jets, and then after he retired and decided to come back, he, he chose the Minnesota Vikings so he could then tweak the Packers a bit. Um you know, all those situations were, were different because there's no indication, and particularly with Bob Kraft, he has said it. I want Tom Brady back. I hope he either plays for us or he retires. Well, well we know that Bob you know, Kraft wants him back. But does are we yeah, sure that it's not does, Bill does being the dad saying, "Hey, it's time to move out"? And that could be true. That that absolutely could be true. I mean, you know, Belichick. Even though I think his relationship with Brady is different than what we've seen him do with other mm-hmm. players, right? There's been a lot of New England Patriots, great players. Logan Mankins, for God's sakes, who came here. Um, guys that won Super Bowls and went to Pro Bowls for him. And, you know, the modus operandi was, hey, better to get rid of, a, of an iconic player two years too soon than two years too late. Mm-hmm. That's always been what Belichick has done. I think it would be different because I think him, you know, Brady is the one constant through all the years that Belichick has been coached there, it's only Tom Brady and him that are, that are still together from that that first year. And so, I you know the coach quarterback relationship we've talked about it. That dynamic is different than any in sports. I don't care what you're talking about. So I do think um, that that you know there, there's got to be some loyalty on both ends. However, Bill's not a real warm and fuzzy guy. I don't think even in this instance. I think he's going to want to know. You know, what is it you require? What what are the things that, that, that we need to do to keep you here? If, in fact, and I would assume that's what they want to do. But it may get to the point where it's like, look, I, you know, we, you're 43 years old. Like, you know, we've got, it, we've got a young quarterback they like in Jared Stenham, and I think that he's not ready to play. But we know that it's a fertile free agent crop of quarterbacks out there. I mean, Bill Belichick, of all people, is not going to have a difficult time attracting a good player um, and he's he, look. He won ten, eleven games with Matt Castle when when Brady was down for a year, and went to and, and you know so I, I didn't go to the playoffs, but still won a lot of games. And I, I think that you know he's not going to be less confident in his ability to win football games. 
Because at some point this was going to happen. At some point Brady was going to retire or Brady was going to want to go somewhere else or maybe Belichick would would retire. I mean, it's, it can't go on forever, although it seemingly has. So if Tom wants to go, and, and there are people a lot closer to him than me, obviously, and smarter than me, guys like Jeff Darlington that's uh, you know done a lot of interviews that's close to the Brady team, um, you know, Diana Russini was on ESPN the other day talking about the situation. They believe that Brady, you know, does want to move on. And if he does, Bruce Arians and the Glazers, if he's behind door number two, they're going to do everything they can to kick it down. And, you know, people say, well, you know, this is all just a bunch of hype. It's a fantasy. I'm here to tell you it's not. I mean, this is, this is fact. They are going after Tom Brady. Now, well, how do you do that? And why do you do that? Well, if you're Bruce Arians and you're 67 years old and you've already coached Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning and Carson Palmer, you want to coach the, the greatest of all time, albeit at the end of his career, that's fine. But, you know, he's, you know when Tom Brady picks up the phone, if he wants to, to find out what it's like to play for Bruce Arians, he can call Roethlisberger. He can call Peyton Manning. Um, you know, and, and so... You know, Clyde Christensen was with Manning. He can ask about the Bucks' quarterback coach. He can find out this information. You also have the situation where you have to understand where this franchise is at. Um, they've had no success, really, since uh, Malcolm Glazer ceased to control the team after his stroke and then subsequent, um, you know, his death. And when you go 12 years in the NFL, only the Cleveland Browns with a longer streak of no playoff games, you know, They've got 45,000, I believe, empty seats every Sunday at Raymond James Stadium, and that place holds about 66. If they've got 20,000 season ticket holders, I'd be surprised. So you're talking about a 45,000 seats they got to sell every week. Now, they can sell some of those to the teams, you know, the, 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 the fans of the teams coming in, but that's not your goal, okay? You've got a guy <clears throat> who's available that's the greatest quarterback of all time, it's an opportunity that's been that's out there for the first time since maybe Joe Montana, who had to be traded to Kansas City. He wasn't a free agent um, back in, like, 93. Uh, and with one signing of Tom Brady, if somehow you could get his signature on a, on a contract, you become, as the Bucks instantly relevant. A coach can't do that for you by himself. You know, and they've tried that. I mean, they – they swung hard, and the, you know these are big game hunters. They tried to get Bill Parcells when it didn't work out. They did a pretty good job of trading for John Gruden, and and you know he won a Super Bowl um, even after they fired Tony Dungy. Uh, you know we've seen them try to make a trade for Brett Favre, and he wound up going to the New York Jets because frankly they weren't in control of that situation because you know the Packers could send them. They had two teams, and they chose the AFC team, and um, you know it was their decision to, to which terms they were going to accept for the trade. But in this instance, this is Brady who can make the call. And look, I, I think if you listen to the quotes we've seen this offseason, as I have, and I've been a little closer to it with conversations in and around Bruce Arians, it's clear to me that he wants to move on. Doesn't mean he will, okay, because he's always left the caveat of, you know, can I win with another quarterback? Absolutely. Can I win with Jameis? Yeah, we can win with Jameis. He's always dropped that in there, but it's secondary, right? I mean, it's never been the primary focus of his is, you know, 
if he was that confident, if he really wanted Jameis Winston back, this would not be a conversation. I would not be writing stories about Tom Brady or Teddy Bridgewater or anybody. You know, it would be Jameis is our quarterback. He's coming back. We're going to make sure he's back, whether that's transition tag, franchise tag, working out a new deal. He, Jameis Winston is our quarterback. Those words have never been spoken. In fact, quite the opposite. You know, he said that Jack Barrett's not going anywhere. You know, well, when you get to talking about Jameis, he calls him an unknown quantity. So you don't have to read too deeply into some of these comments to know that, yeah, you know what? Bruce Arians has looked at the field and he sees guys like Brady. And for a while there was Drew Brees who's going back to the Saints. Um, right now there's De- Dak Prescott who will probably be franchised. You know, but you have Teddy Bridgewater, you have Phillip Rivers. There's players out there at this position that have never made it to free agency before. I mean, you know, my goodness, what was it, three years ago? Mike Glennon was the hot name, and he signed like a $45 million three-year deal with uh, the Chicago Bears. He only lasted a year. He got paid $16 million, and he flamed out quickly. But that's that, that was the norm, right? That was the kind of quarterback that got out there in the free agency. You've got these names led by Brady. You bet that Bruce Arians wants to wants to try to find a way to get Tom Brady. Okay, so how do they do that? Well, I mean, ultimately, it's going to be up to you know TB12 what he wants to do. Uh, if he wants the New England, he's going to have, I don't think, a shortage of, of people that would like to have him. Although I did see on ESPN that they say that that pool is getting smaller. Um, some believe, okay, that, again, that follow Brady, follow New England, that you know, the, the, the choices may come down to Tennessee, where Mike Vrabel, his former teammate, is a head coach, who just went to the AFC Championship game a year ago with Ryan Tannehill, who is a free agent, another one of those free agent quarterbacks that you wouldn't expect to be out there. Some believe that Tennessee would have the inside track for all the, all the reasons we just mentioned. Um, and then they say there's Tampa. You know, I don't know. Maybe Tom Brady would like to go to Los Angeles where he, you know, just opened a production company and play for the Chargers. That might, that might be possible. Um, maybe, you know, he would try Las Vegas and, you know, the big, the big, uh, neon lights out there, um, Maybe that's attractive to him and being, again, you know, further further west and a little closer to uh, to his home in Northern California. Maybe maybe that would attract him. Maybe the San Francisco 49ers, although they haven't said they're going to do this, decide, you know what, Jimmy Garoppolo went 3 of 11 in the fourth quarter in the interception. We were had a 10-point lead and lost. Tom Brady would never do that. We're going to bring him to his hometown team, the team that he hoped he was drafted by, and give him a chance to come home and play for the 49ers. Maybe that would be what it would take for Brady to leave New England. Um, you know, we we just don't know. I mean, all those scenarios are possible, and there could be some that, that we're not even aware of. Um, but all I know is that if it's money Brady is interested in, if that, if that becomes a factor, well, guess what? The Glazers aren't going to be outbid by this. They've got $80 million right now in salary cap space. That could go up if the CBA is passed. That's the fourth most of any team. So you're telling me that 30 or, hell, even $40 million uh, for, per year for Brady is out of the question when, when you, could, you could become that relevant that quickly and sell that many tickets? I don't think so. Um, he's 43. If he wanted a two or even a three-year deal, okay. I mean, you know, 
he, he's not going to play a day past when he thinks he can be effective, right? He's got too much pride for that, you one would think. Um, so if you get two years out of him and he never plays a third year, so be it. I mean, you can structure things that make sense for both sides. If it's talent he wants, well, you've got plenty of that. You've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, two Pro Bowl receivers. When has he had two Pro Bowl receivers at the height of their career uh, the way the Bucks have? You've got O.J. Howard. We know how much he loves throwing to tight ends, the mismatches he's created in the past with Gronkowski and others. Cameron Brait still could be here, depending on what they do with his contract uh, right after the new league year. Ronald Jones is the running back. You want an upgrade? They could go into the draft and do that. They're likely to take a, a three-down back in the draft somewhere. They also are likely to take an offensive lineman to fortify the offensive line. Um, I mentioned Diana Rossini. She came on ESPN and said that she had talked to the Bucks, right, as, as I have, and she said, quote, they're willing to give Tom Brady the things he needs, he wants. Some of those things he wants, control over the roster. He wants to be part of the decisions on the play calling. If Brady wants control, Bruce Arians is a guy he should match up with. Well, I, I, look, they're not going to make him GM, right? I mean, Jason Light is deferring to Bruce Arians on the quarterback situation, but he's not just going to like you know make Tom the first quarterback slash GM. But that's not really what we're talking about. I was going to say, isn't talk- it more about like who are my receivers, who are my that's running right. backs? That's right. Um, exactly. If we need to I make need changes a slot or receiver. upgrades, yeah, yeah. I, mean, maybe- I need a guy that can work the middle of the field, or I need a fast guy that can get in and out of option routes, or I need, you know, I think that's what you're talking about. I don't right? think he's picking the backup protection. middle linebacker. No, exactly. Right. He's talking about what he requires in what's become his offense through the years that he has developed into something that's you, you know singular to him. And if you think that just because Bruce Arians you know, is the no-risk-it-no-biscuit, five-eligible-on-every-play guy, look, they're not stupid, okay? If Tom Brady says, hey, we want, I, I want to run this offense, okay, and and it's my offense, and, and, and this is the game plan I want to do. First of all, there's a lot of universals, you know, when it comes to route trees and, and how you call plays and things like that. So within the scheme of any offense, there's a lot of repetition. But but if Tom Brady wants to tell Byron Leftwich what he's going to do, he's going to do it. I remember talking to Clyde Christensen, who happens to be, by the way, the Bucks quarterback's coach, and he was the offensive coordinator, by title anyway, uh, with Peyton Manning in Indianapolis after Tony Dungy left. And, you know, he told me, I remember they went to a Super Bowl, if you recall, after that. Um, and the next year, in fact, they lost. But, you know, Peyton Manning was essentially the de facto offensive coordinator. And Peyton chose the plays. And, you know, they would sit down and they would write a script of down in distances. And what do you like here? And what do you want to call there? And for as much as anything, they kind of followed along. I mean, you always have a plan. You always have somebody in your headset. You always have a play sheet, you know, but those things to the extent that Tom Brady wants to determine what he thinks he wants to do on third and six at the 24 yard line on the right hash, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do what Tom Brady wants to do at the 36 yard line on the right hash. I mean, there are ways to do that. So I think that's what Rossini is talking about. I mean, Arians isn't so arrogant that, you know, he's going to shoehorn, you know, his style or his offense into the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, there will be some give and take there, and they'll try to adapt it to him. And, you know, I mean, other than tradition, which the Bucks don't have because they have a career, what, 387 winning percentage, you know, 
they have a lot of things to offer. I mean, we know about no staying up contacts and the weather and, you know, it's only a short flight to Miami where they do a lot of model shoots. If, if Giselle, you know, Bunchen wants to go down there and make money or uh, a great place to raise kids. Look, Derek Jeter, we talked about this, lives on Davis Island. Okay. He was one of the biggest stars anywhere in the Northeast and Tampa is his home now. So it's not crazy, crazy other than, as you know, Steve, we can't have nice things, but I, I, I know this, that, that, that is the Bucks number one pursuit. Okay, before they talk to Jameis Winston, who who they're absolutely, I think, going going to let become a free agent before they talk to another free agent, they're going to exhaust themselves with Brady. And it probably won't take them long, you know, because he knows that they need to move on too. Um, but they're going to make their best pitch. And, and that is the plan. That is the plan. Now, what happens if the plan fails? They go to the next plan <laughs> and the next plan in free agency anyway, um, is Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is the next guy on their list as far as free agent quarterbacks go. And we've talked all about Teddy, right? Here's a guy that went 5-0 and with the Saints last season. He's only 27 years old. Um, oh, but he doesn't fit Arian's vertical passing game. Yeah, well, you know what he also doesn't do? He doesn't turn the ball over. And all I know is that with a Saints team that basically had Michael Thomas and a less-than-usual productive Alvin Kamara he hung 33 points on Seattle, 31 on the Bucks, and 36 on Chicago. And the last time I checked, Chicago had a pretty damn good defense. Um, so that, that's where they're going next, okay? Now, that, the trick is, how do you go from going so hard after Brady and then pivoting and convincing all these other free agents, maybe even Jameis himself, that, oh, no, 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 you know, you're the guy we really want. Um, they're going to have to do that. Well, they have to do that, but at, at the end of the day, there's only 32 starting jobs in the NFL. That's the key. That's the key. You just nailed it's it. It's like head coaching. I mean, it may not be your ideal job, but there's only 32 of them, so if you get offered one, you're probably taking it. It's musical chairs, and there are more quarterbacks than chairs this year. There just are. Starting jobs, I mean. So you're right. So Teddy Bridgewater is going to listen, and he may get an offer from Carolina. He may have one from San Diego who know, or uh, L.A., the Chargers. Who knows? Um, but that's where they're going to go next. After that, Philip Rivers is on their list. He's on their list. And I don't know if, if he ranks above Winston, for example, um, and they don't know what kind of money he's going to demand. And, you know, we've read that there's a chance Indianapolis might have a big interest in him. He's 38. He's not 26 like Bridgewater. He did throw 20 interceptions last year, the third most in the NFL. But you know what? He's only a year removed from throwing 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So let's not act as if, you know, Phillip Rivers hasn't played well in, in you know, five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a year removed, he was 32 and 12 touchdowns to interception. Now, again, I'm not saying that a 38-year-old Phillip Rivers would be preferred over Jameis in his second year because I don't know. But in terms of free agents, Brady, Bridgewater, Rivers, that's the way it's going to go. And if some other quarterback like Tannehill, say, say you know, Jay, or, uh, Brady goes to Tennessee and Tannehill's a free agent, he's got a factor in there somewhere. Now, I don't well, know where. And you don't know if, if a Derek Carr becomes available because – That's correct. I, although I've heard, and or I will Gar- tell you or this. Garoppolo if – Garoppolo know. if he goes to San Francisco. I have heard that, that, um, um, that with respect to 
Derek Carr that the Bucks may not be as as excited about him as they are some of these guys I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. But all of that's possible, you know. Well, but it does affect the musical chairs of everybody. Else Absolutely, too, because it does. If Tennessee tries for Brady, doesn't get him. Brady goes to Vegas and say Derek Carr's available. Maybe Tennessee likes Carr, which leaves Tannehill open. I mean, you know, it's musical chairs. Right. Exactly right. And and that and that gets back to Jameis because. You know, I, I always use this analogy. Like, I remember when um, years ago they fired. You remember the old Florida coach Galen Hall? Mm-hmm. They were five and zero one year, and he got he got fired because he gave money to Jarvis Landry for child support or some such nonsense. And so Florida fired him after they beat LSU, and they made Gary Darnell um, the interim head coach. He was their defensive coordinator, and everybody knew that Florida was probably going to go after Spurrier, who was at Duke at that time. And we asked Arnell about his chances of getting the head coaching job. And he says, well, all I know is they say it's a nationwide search and I'm in the nation. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what? You know who's in the nation? Jameis Winston. <laughs> Jameis Winston is a free agent. So as they scan yep. the, uh, the, you know. I checked my sheet. The he nation. is in the nation. Check your sheet. If they check their sheet, they're going to see that Jameis Winston is still a free agent. If, if in fact he doesn't have a deal, you know, two minutes into the legal tampering period, and he factors into this, like they have not and they have not eliminated Winston as a possibility. It just hasn't happened. And and for those who want to hate on me or the Tampa Bay Times in general, or think that you know, I'm, I've said they're they're writing Jameis Winston off. Show me in the story where I've said this. Okay, show me where I've said that because what I what I actually did say was. Winston may still figure into the equation. Okay, that means he's not out of here yet. That means he's not eliminated from a possibility. In fact, you know, possession being three-fourths of the law right now, he's he's their quarterback. He's going to be their quarterback officially, okay, officially until 4 p.m. Um, on the 18th, okay, when the, when the new year league begins. So he is their quarterback. That's my quarterback, and he will be. Uh, until such a time that you know that that date comes on on uh, on the 18th, but the problem is if you put him out there, he's got 31 other teams he can talk to. Now maybe okay, all the things I just talked about with respect to Brady, Bridgewater, who has a choice and probably will have choice of teams, Philip Rivers, all those guys. Maybe all that just doesn't work out for the Bucks, and maybe Winston can't find a starting job with starting money. You know. It's possible he goes out there and San Diego's going to draft a quarterback and they're into it for Bridgewater and Carolina's going to take Cam Newton back for a year and draft a guy. And you go down the list and all of a sudden, you know, the Raiders are okay with Derek Carr. However, however, there's a number of teams that would love for him to come in and be their backup for a wobbly starter like Mitch Trubisky or somebody like that or maybe mentor a young quarterback then Winston's going to have to decide. But if he can't find starters' money in a starting job and the Bucks go, you know what, Jameis, you're our guy. <laughs> you know, we're going to give you another year, second year in Bruce's system. You can make cases for all these dudes. And Bruce mm-hmm. has said, I can win with Jameis Winston. He was 7-7 seven and seven last year despite a ton of turnovers. And, you know, Jameis playing through a broken thumb, a torn knee, uh, without the benefit of LASIK surgery. Uh, you know, didn't play the, the last two games very well. They lost them both. He threw away some, some, threw some interceptions, including a pick six in the overtime against Atlanta. 
And and instead of going nine and seven or winning ten games, guess what? They went seven and nine. Okay, well next year, do we think that he's going to be throwing thirty interceptions? I mean, first of all, he wouldn't be allowed to be in there long enough to throw thirty next year. This year, he did. Um, but what if he shows the improvement that Carson Palmer did in his second year, or Peyton Manning did in his second year, et cetera? Then you know I can sell that somehow. But I can also you know I know I know that Bruce is confident enough to think he can win with Winston. He has said that. I can win with Jameis. I can win with another quarterback, too. So that's where we're at. And, again, the big mystery is, you know, who ultimately are they going to wind up with? And will we know within that window of the franchise tags go out 11.59, 59 a.m. on Monday? One second later, it's a free agent legal tampering period where they can call Tom Brady and they can call these guys. How quickly is Brady going to make a decision? You know, can Tennessee – not do a deal with Ryan Tannehill, which we heard Ian Rappaport say that they are working on a long-term deal with with uh, with Tannehill. Well, what is that? Just in case, or is that their plan? You know, what if what if Tennessee says, you know what, we love Tom, he's a good friend. Hope he, you know, hope he does well. We we went to the AFC Championship game. We're only a few points behind going to the Super Bowl. We're going to stick with our guy, and our guy is Ryan Tannehill. Well, that eliminates him. So you just you don't know what these other teams are thinking ultimately. Um, but the Bucks have to go through this. This is the the process they've decided is we're going to exhaust Tom Brady. We're going to you know as, as quickly and as expeditiously as we can. We're going to try to see if we can get him to come to Tampa Bay. And if we can't, we'll move on to the next guy. And that's why you know when you talk to Bruce Arians or you talk to these guys, they always talk about you know well all we can do is and see who gets out there. You know who makes it to free agency. Um, who's behind door number two. We don't. We just prepare for all the possibilities, all the contingencies. Well, that's what they've done. And you know, like I said, all I can offer you is Brady is the number one uh, wish list here, and and he may be for a number of teams. After that, if it's free agents we're talking about, it's Bridgewater. After Bridgewater, it's going to be Philip Rivers. And again, somewhere in there could be Winston. You know, could come back say. Hey, I'll take my $20 million again or less than that. Let's re-sign all the defensive guys, and away we go. And they may say, you know what? That sounds better than getting 38-year-old Phillip Rivers in here who wants, by the way, and this is a factor, maybe Phillip Rivers wants $28 million, right? We don't know. So um, I, I think, you know, it, it would, it's damn interesting to think about, you know, first of all, Brady not being a Patriot. I still have a hard time visualizing that, number one. Uh, and number two, seeing him as a Buccaneer. I mean, you know, the Bucks have been on the other end of the, of, of the neighborhood, on the other side of the tracks of the New England Patriots. I mean, they're about as anti-New England success as you can be in this league. Yes, they have a Lombardi trophy, but it's from 2002, the last time they won a playoff game. Tom Brady's won like 31 playoff games. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. It's fun to think about, you know, if you're a Bucks fan, I'm sure. Um, and again, a lot of people think, uh, oh, you know, he's just throwing. No, th- this is the plan. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It'll move quickly, I think, because the Patriots have to know what they're doing. You know, and, and the Patriots could, look, if Brady does decide to leave, I don't know that the Patriots sign a guy in three days. I mean, their style is to sort of sit back and wait, you know, let the market settle, let the prices go down, and then, you know, Belichick's confident up, confident enough to win with 
with somebody else's quarterback. Well, and he, he might go is. for a trade for a, an Andy Dalton or a Derek Absolutely. Carr. Or, Absolutely. You know, and, and he can wait on that. He doesn't have to do that initially. That's right. Or he, or he might sign a free agent whose value has gone down. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just uh, it, it's just interesting. It, it, it's very interesting, and it, and it is the plan. And, um, you know, again, for those that – and there are legions of them out there, Steve. I cannot – you know, it's been amazing ever since Jameis was drafted, even before. I know we're close to Florida State, and we know what he went through there, um, both on and off the field. And, and there's a lot of Gator fans, right, who don't like Florida State anything. Um, but Jameis has been the most polarizing player um, I've ever covered. You know, people have – they have emotion about him, good or bad. Well, they like, had it before no... he got to the Bucks, And that, yes. that was that's a big part of it is that most people's minds seem to have been made up when he was in college – long before he got to the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And so you were either, you know, for lack of a better term, on Team Jameis or you weren't. Mm-hmm. And, and right. for the most part, I don't think you've changed a lot of people's minds over the five years he's been here. I don't think it's changed. I think if you were a Jameis guy, you're still a Jameis guy, and he, he can do no wrong, and you can't fathom that the Bucs would, would give up on him. And there's probably some Bucks fans, and John Romano wrote about this, uh, in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com that say, well, you know, we've been down this road and it always ends up bad for the Bucks. Somebody goes and wins a Super Bowl for another team. Every quarterback we draft that's in the first round or we give up on is hoisting a Lombardi trophy, you know? And I get that part of it too. And believe me, the Glazers are worried about it. The Glazers are worried about that. They really are. This is something they don't want to see. But if So when you come to the Glazers and you say to them, you know, hey, thinking about moving away from Jameis to another quarterback, you better have a really good number two. So, you know, you, you better have a good plan. Your plan better be like, oh. Tom Brady. Well, what's bigger than Tom Brady? <laughs> I mean, how long would it take the Glazers to go, you really think you can get Tom Brady? I think he might play for us, yeah. I think we're going to try like hell. If he's serious about leaving New England. It might have been the what, same what, conversation you had. You really think we can get Bruce Arians? Right. Right. Jason Light could have come to them when Bruce Arians was retired. He was done. He was working for CBS. And he could have said, you know what? I got a guy for you. And you won't believe who it is. And they mm-hmm. said, try us. You really think you can get Bruce Arians out of retirement? He's gonna, he, he quit the Cardinals, and he's on TV, and now he's, you know, health problems, all that. You think he'll come coach here? I do. And I think he'll come because he'll get all his coaches back. And I think he'll come because he'll want to be challenged to – to see what he can do with, with Jameis Winston. And, oh, boy, that, you know, and they pulled it off. They pulled it off. So, um, but you better, have a, you better have a good idea that's better than the one that, that, that they like, you know. And, and, I, and I, I think if the Glazers were left to their own, you know, device, and I don't know, I haven't talked to them, but I, I think if they were left to their own devices, they'd say, ah, let's give Jameis one more try with Bruce. You know, I think that's probably where they would go. But if you come to them and say, hey, trust me, you know, I really think we have a shot at Brady, and if we don't, I like this guy better, and here's why. You just got to make a really good argument. You know, they're they're reasonable people that will listen to you, and they'll, you know, eventually defer to to your judgment. Just like Jason Light is deferring on this issue, okay, not for every position, but on this issue, quarterback, Jason Light's going to let BA make the, make the decision whether that's whether he thinks that Bridgewater is the better player than Philip Rivers or Jameis Winston. B.A. is controlling the quarterback position. All right, tomorrow we'll give you the latest on the impact of the coronavirus on the world of sports, and we'll have our mailbag. Remember, you can submit your questions on Twitter by reaching us at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. 
or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.